0: If you're like me, one of the best things to come out of 2020 so far has been Disney Plus releasing the recording of Lin-Manuel Miranda's Broadway musical hit Hamilton. I am not thrown away my shot. I am not thrown away my shot. You am just like my country I'm young, scrappy and hungry
1: and I'm not There
0: is so much in this show to geek out over, the use of hip hop and other musical genres to make the story of early financial system of the United States actually interesting, the choreography of the ensemble and the use of stage and set design, the casting of predominantly minority leads to tell the story of white men who were immigrants, and Jonathan Groff, who, despite what some others have told me, is definitely the most amusing character in the show for his portrayal of King Richard III. I
2: will send a fully armed battalion to remind
1: you of my love. Da, da, da,
2: da, da.
0: But I think one of the most interesting elements is the meta narrative around the show that plays into its themes. At first glance, you're probably rooting for Hamilton. After all, the whole thing is named after him, Lin-Manuel plays him, and he's the protagonist. But on repeat WeWatches, it becomes more and more obvious that Hamilton is kind of a jerk. He's vindictive and somewhat petty and arrogant and self-destructive. But it's because of the choices that Lin-Manuel made in adapting Ron Chernow's biography that the narrative framework leads us to, consciously or not, back up Hamilton. And Aaron Burr, sir, who, upon deeper research, was arguably as influential in the formation of the early United States as Hamilton was, is predominantly known for that singular act of dueling with him and killing Hamilton. And I think that's the point of the show. Your actions alone won't objectively speak for you after you're gone. It's going to come down to how other people interpret and spin that narrative. In Hamilton's case, it was Eliza and Lin-Manuel who told Hamilton's story in a way that made him seem like the hero, but some changes in how the lens of history is framed and we have an entirely different feeling on what happened back then and who these people were. As the final song in the show says,
2: When you're gone, who remembers your name? Who keeps your flame? Who tells your story? Who tells your story? Who tells your story?
0: During this podcast, one of the many pleasures has been to discover the different sides of people compared to what we knew in high school. It's really hard to compress someone's entire 10-year story down to 15-20 to minutes to make up half an episode. Inevitably, a lot ends up on the metaphorical cutting room floor. Now I'm not saying I'm the next Lin-Manuel Miranda, far from it, but I want to make sure I'm telling your stories on this podcast correctly. So I really hope that you guys reach out to others in the class so that my interpretation of what everyone's been up to isn't all you have to go off of. As you probably know by now, everyone has an amazing story to tell, even if they may not think so themselves, and there's so many aspects to everyone's life that no 30-minute podcast could do them justice. We just want things too well for that to be the case. Hello, and welcome to the We Run This podcast, a show about the Stanton College prep, class of 2010, and how we can continue to kill it 10 years on. I'm Paula Rutista. Hey, hey. If you've been listening to the ending credits of each episode, you probably know by now that the music around the intro and after segments for each podcast that you just heard is by one of our very own classmates, Michael Xavier Barriwan.
2: My name is Michael Xavier Bariwan. I'm a student, a nursing student. Currently, I'm located in Duval County, 904 Black Lives Matter, Arrest the People Who Killed Breonna Taylor.
0: Fun fact, Xavier, or Savy, as I call him, is one of my oldest friends from Jacksonville. Our parents ran in the same Filipino medical professional circles, and his mom was even my dentist for a while. Sad out to you, Tina Naomi. Uh, Xavier and I even had the same piano teacher for a while, so before we even went to Stanton, I knew he was pretty musically gifted.
2: I was always around it. The Asian parent, make you learn an instrument, there was that. And then I had relatives that were also like musicians too. So I've been around music like for a long time, but it wasn't until um, high school that I started learning how to like do more music production just on my own, just for like fun.
0: You may remember Xavier as one of the tuba players in our marching band. When I commissioned him to make the podcast theme music, I asked him to hearken back to the Friday night football games and his experiences in the marching band. Aside from the band experience, though, he also channeled his creativity at Stanton through the Expressionists.
2: So, Expressionists was like the spoken word uh, group that was headed by Mr. Knight. He would ask us to write, like, just spoken word poems or poems in general, and he gave us the right uh, environment and the safe space to. Honestly, let us be who we want to be and let us express what we want to express. So, and I think it's tough, like not having a right space to do that, especially in a public area, like in school. So it was really cool for him to do that.
0: After graduating from Stanton, Savvy stayed local and attended UNF. He, there, he bounced around different majors from pre-med, pre farm to psychology, to business development, to accounting, and eventually landing on public relations and mass communication however he had a reason for trying things
2: out why would you want to focus on one thing if aren't people as human beings supposed to expose themselves to certain situations in order to learn and grow from it regardless of the outcome why would you just want to order chicken tenders at a restaurant where like there's so much more out there so i guess that's what kind of led to like my, my i guess like journeyman like lifestyle you kind of realize there's not really one way to live life If you don't see one thing that's right to you, why pursue it? It took me a while to actually go back into nursing school, actually, because I wasn't sure, because I feel like there's too many what if, what if, what ifs. If I focus on one thing, I feel like I haven't really fulfilled anything. Like, you don't want to live a life full of regrets. That's fucked up. You don't want to do that shit.
0: Now, Xavier certainly kept busy throughout and after college. One way he did so was by getting really, really good at fighting games.
2: So I've been always playing fighting games because I had relatives that had fighting games. You know, um, every family reunion we play Street Fighter. I've, it was something that I was always into. It wasn't until college where like I made that first jump to like start going out to like local events and everything. Competitively, I was playing Street Fighter 4, um, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and then eventually Dragon Ball Fighters.
0: For those not familiar with the fighting game community, or FGC for short, it's a very close-knit community of enthusiasts for arcade-style fighting games like Street Fighter, or Tekken, or Mortal
2: Kombat. If you're one person, and you meet another person, and you play fighting games, and you become friends, that's already a community. That's pretty much how I would describe it, you know? So it's just like, a bunch of people just chilling out vibing out playing video games and then have that multiplied in an international scale
0: now while the FGC is certainly an international scene Xavi got started with the local scene here in Jacksonville
2: There was a lot of locations. Sometimes it would be like my house, you know, so other times it would be venues, like local venue places. Uh, One of our most notable ones were actually Good Luck, Have Fun Game Bar. Yeah, it was in the Jacksonville Landing. Shout out to them. They opened up a new um, location, actually, and it's called Leaderboard. So if you ever had the time and you want to have that whole Good Luck, Have Fun feel again, if you're in Jacksonville, definitely recommend Leaderboard because that's the successor after that.
0: Good luck, Have Fun Game Bar was actually one of Xavier's first sponsors after he won an event that they were hosting. They sponsored him to attend CEO, Community Effort Orlando, one of the biggest fighting game tournaments internationally located in Central Florida.
2: It's one of the biggest events where to the point where like a lot of my friends from all over the world like come and visit. I think that's really cool so like my friends from like Philly, my friends from New York, my friends from Toronto, uh, my friends from Mexico, you know California like we would hang out in Discord all day and then CEO would be like the time and point where um, we would all get to meet up in person and just like hang out, get drunk.
0: In competitive esports it's usually more common to go by your gamer tag than your actual name. In Xavier's case, his tag was Frank Lusin. Anyway, here's a clip from that 2018 event of Xavier after he got out of the qualifying pools for the event, backed up by all of his friends.
2: World, you know? my name is Frank Lotion, aka Arsenio Delfino, aka <laughs> <Young> Cocoa Butter, <laughs> aka Android Flex T, Android Flex T, put that map, boy. I could do more AKAs, but I don't remember right now. first time I've been going to CEO since 2012. I've been playing games just because for fun, you know? Because that's what it's all about, it's for fun. And that's how I met all of these people around Talk me. To him, man. Oh, yeah. Talk That's the real feeling. Family's backing me up. Yeah. County, bro. Yeah. Yeah. County, bro. Yeah. Shout out to my boys out there. Yeah. And, County. And also, shout outs to just everybody, man. This is why I'm here, not only just to play games, but to react and Finally see the family that you never
0: see
2: ever in it's a long it time
0: it, all of the world. It, it, Frank Lotion signing out. out. It. After CEO, Xavier actually got picked up by an esports team in 2018. And part of the reason he got that position was because of the positive impact he had been having in his community and the support that other people were showing to him
2: team was called unbroken he was like "All right, you nailed the interview Um, it's a rare case where like a lot of people turn into application they say hey I really want to apply but like honestly I think you should give it to this guy it's a community party yeah I guess like the city of Jacksonville like all the people that I play with on a regular
0: while Unvogan is sadly no longer active, it definitely gave Xavier amazing opportunities, be it being able to fly across the country as far as Los Angeles to compete or developing his content creation skills.
2: It gave me opportunities that I wouldn't think, because it's like, I think my, one of my earliest goals, actually, when I started playing Friday games, I was just like, I want to be a sponsored player and learn how to and like travel the world and have opportunities to do that. And it's like, I felt like after that sponsorship and everything, I was just like, it's cool that it's something that you've manifested when you first wanted to do something.
0: guys get the throw. Frank Lotion showing that he doesn't. He, he his uh his offensive is solid as well as his defense. He knows what buttons to press. Uh, the shimmy, really good shimmy from, from Frank, Frank Lotion. Lotion. Frank Lotion showing why he is one of the dominant forces in Florida right Ooh, the, now. The tiger knee. Tiger knee yoga flame. flame. Into
2: yoga flame. This guy is sick. Yes. Frank Lotion taking two matches no. in fast fashion. Exactly.
0: So, while Xavier was grinding away his skills at fighting games, he ended up graduating from UNF in 2015 and continued the mid-20s soul-searching travel.
2: I went a lot of places. I stayed in Minneapolis at the time being. My brother was there and I just wanted to get away from Florida for a little bit, you know? And then I also went to Puerto Rico, uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. Last but not least, I went over to Toronto, um, the 6th.
0: By happenstance, one of these trips actually ended up sparking a new creative direction for him to take.
2: So I went to Tokyo for the first time in uh, 2017. One of my close friends lives there and he was like, hey, come visit. So me, and my brother and a bunch of other like people that we grew up together or like they're close with flew out over there. That's actually what jumpstarted my photography was that I bought a bunch of like disposable cameras and I was planning to get them developed back in America. My biggest mistake was that I should have checked those cameras in. They went through sc- security screenings. It got messed up and the whole thing got messed up and it was like terrible feeling. It got me so pissed that I went that same day that I just bought a camera. It was kind of this weird roundabout way where like it kind of pushed you to like start going out there to like fulfill your ideas.
0: While doing photography, Xavi got a wide number of gigs, some corporate and some personal.
2: So, I was doing a lot of freelance work. Um, I was doing a lot of uh, event photography for uh, local venues and restaurants. I was doing a lot of product photography, which I was working with. I think I guess I was making a lot of portraits with my friends and everything like that. I first started out doing portraits because honestly, it was a good way to connect with people. So, my main motive was that I wanted to see, I wanted to represent my friends to the world to see how see how i see them yeah everyone has a different image of anything really like someone may think of me as like the nastiest like shittiest person in the world when another person may think of me as like oh this is the coolest person in the world he's the most kindest and the sweetest person you know so not everyone is gonna perceive you as like one way
0: his hustle eventually got him noticed to the point where he got invited to move into a house in Orlando, where a lot of different creative types would live, so that they could facilitate collaboration.
2: I got invited to live in this creative household. Um, this creative household was cool because it was like I got to live with like a lot of my close friends that I met throughout Florida in the creative community. There were people who I enjoyed living with. And there were people I didn't enjoy living with. There were people that I got to meet. There were people that I didn't really care for when meeting them and I just didn't want to associate with them. Uh, There were people that I had a reunion with, like old high school friends that I didn't think I would meet again until I moved to Orlando and we would end up working together in like photo shoots and everything like that. And it got to the point where like, wow, this is crazy, you know? So it's kind of, we kind of realize how small the world is at the same time.
0: So put the pin in that creative house. We'll come back to it shortly. Now, if you remember, Xavier had been into music due to the influence from his family and his time with the Expressionists. In 2014, 2015, he was performing with a group of friends and they called themselves Chocoflan. Here's a clip of a performance from USF in 2015 with Xavier on the keyboard. Uh, We
2: would travel to different shows in the Southeast United States, from like ATL to like Tampa to Orlando to Jacksonville, and pretty much like we would go do a show, we would always just go out and get Boba like right afterwards, like the day after, and the terms of like after food hangover or like get it before we head back to Jacksonville type thing.
0: Inspired by this hangover clue, Savvy wrote a song called Boba Tea, though he ended up not releasing it immediately. So back to Orlando, some four odd years later, in 2018, 2019.
2: I wasn't sure what to do with it. Really, I'm kind of glad. Like, I waited till later, actually, because it was just randomly a friend of a friend visited the house. He was like, "Yo, I want to listen to music." So I just gave the headphones to the dude. He was like, "Whoa, who's this?" And I was like, "Oh, that's me." He was like, "You did this? No way!" And then they, he started like, he was like, we put it on the speakers and everything. Pretty much like that whole household being a house full of creatives, everyone's a videographer, everyone's an editor. They're like, let's make a music video out of this. And I was like, no way, but get out of here. Nah, it's fine. They're like, no, we're doing this.
0: Xavier would eventually submit Bobati to the Vancouver Asian American Film Festival and win an award for Asians in Music Songwriting Competition. He also got a decent amount of local virality.
2: Like, I guess I did like a show, and like everyone calls me like Mr. Bobati. That's kind of cool.
0: As you have probably heard in the show credits, Xavier's musician name nowadays is Namekian Silk, a reference to the anime Dragon Ball Z, the same show that his fighting game Xavier competed in. For now, his Frank Lawson and Namekian Silk personas are largely on hiatus, while Xavier focuses on nursing school. I was actually lucky with my request to have him make the theme song for the show and be interviewed. That it was as it was right after finals, and he had a small break. But after all the time being a journeyman and doing so many
2: different things, why go back to school? Are you familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? It's a whole self-actualization, like you can't really get that self-actualization or your creative hobbies until you're like set health-wise and then shelter-wise, you know? And that's what's something that I think I realized at that time was, hey, I wanna make sure I'm straight first before like I do whatever I want to do within the future. I don't wanna make any music, I don't wanna make any do anything yet or invest in anything yet until I am like physically mentally financially metaphysically mentally I said mentally already oh I I just want to emotionally I just want to make sure I'm straight I don't want to be just a creative I just want to be a human being I don't want to have my identity as just one thing i just want to have multiple things i want to do something better for the greater good i don't want to have only one identity you know i don't want to be tied down by my titles i want to be a person i want to be known for just who i am not generally this person is just a nurse or this person is just this this person is just a chef this person is just this you know there's a lot of people whose careers kind of just define their identity and i feel like the human complex or the human identity complex is kind of much more, it's just more diverse and more varied.
0: Who knows what the world situation will be like at that point. Be it the healthcare situation in America, or whether or not Riot, the creators of League of Legends, launches their new fighting game with full esports support that he might be interested in. Whether or not he'll have some new tracks on Spotify or SoundCloud or more podcast theme commissions, I know I definitely have a couple I need to ask him to help me with. Uh, Whatever the situation, I know he'll be living his best life, doing what's important to him the most. And that mentality, which in our busy lives when we're being pulled in so many different directions, is something that I think we can all learn from
2: me personally i don't like to make stuff for like attention seeking or clout at the end of the day i just want to create something for myself only myself and just to make sure i'm enjoying it because what is doing something to the point where like you don't enjoy it you know it's really no point to do it why are you gonna it's kind of insanity you know honey bubble in that bubble cup let me see what's good Let's kick it like Kung Fu Tima, and make that dirty childhood, uh
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. So in my conversation with Xavi, we definitely came back multiple times to the idea of how social media is impacting the way we perceive the world and others.
2: There are time periods where like people hit me up and say, hey, are you in Jacksonville? Where are you right now? I even got asked if like, hey, are you even in America? Like with the increase of social media, the whole like flex for the gram and everything like that, flex first and then work later. Not the type of person to like do that until like I get something done or it's like something that I'm proud of.
0: After the break, we'll talk to one of our classmates who actually has the same mixed feelings about social media while at the same time working as a social media marketer herself. That's after the break.
2: But still sweet like some boba tea. She's sweet like like she
0: hey, it's intermission just like we would if we were watching Hamilton and Broadway or on Disney+. Anyway, just just enough time to remind you that we have only three more episodes before this mini-podcast series ends. If you haven't yet submitted your update for what you've been up to, there's still time to do so or get your friends to submit what they've been up to. Just use the voice memo app on your phone to record your name, where you're located, and what you've been up to and send them to me on Facebook or via email at ninjaboymedia at gmail.com. That's N-I-N-J-A-B-O-I-M-E-D-I-A at gmail.com. Get your clips in by October 3rd so that I can include them in our final episode. Trust me, everyone's got a great story, even you, even if you don't think so. Let me know if you know of somebody with a cool story and I can poke them for you to get them to submit. And just as a reminder, every submission will lead to a donation to the Jacksonville Public Education Fund. Full details on how to do this is in the show notes. Okay, the house lights are coming back on, so I'll catch you in act two. As someone who works in digital advertising, I have a love-hate relationship with social media and the internet at large. On one hand, as Savi alluded to before the break, it sometimes pigeonholes us into seeing only the most curated side of somebody without getting the full picture. Misinformation and fake news and growing polarization of our country definitely has been accelerated by the ability of social media to form echo chambers. Despite those flaws though, social media still is a super great way of sharing information and connecting people who might not otherwise not have met. Sad off to Jonathan Edelman who's using our Facebook group to facilitate discussions about education in America. And of course you have the memes. One of my favorite parts of meme culture actually are brands getting in on current trends. Some do it poorly and others, like the Wendy's account, do it very well. Wendy's even dropped a full mixtape called We Beefin' with this track called Rest in <laughs> grease. So and your And of course every corporate Twitter account of course every corporate Twitter account has an actual human behind the scenes being the voice of that brand. One such individual is our very own classmate, Devon Pascoe.
1: I am Devin Pascoe. I am currently in Jacksonville, Florida, and I am a social media manager.
0: We'll get to her own viral brand moment in a little bit, but back in 2010, Devon was just one of us Staten kids.
1: Devin in 2010 was a perfectionist. (laughs) I think that's kind of the primary trait I would name and had no chill whatsoever. Most of my high school experience was identifying as an art kid, having that like time in the art classroom in a place to like really feel nurtured and feel like more confident, I guess, than I felt maybe. in in other classes, you know, it was very competitive at Stanton. So the art the art room was a good outlet
0: <laughs> after graduating from Stanton, devon ended up going out of state for university
1: so i went to university of south carolina uh in columbia and i majored in advertising i did always kind of think that i was going to uh, be a studio art major and do graphic design and then not to say at the last minute but i kind of last minute decided that I would do advertising. Um, I didn't know that was even really a major, that was a thing until I started looking through. And it seemed like a good fit because it had writing as part of it, lots of English classes, it was in the journalism school.
0: After graduating, she ended up moving again from South Carolina to Atlanta.
1: I moved to Atlanta, started working at this one job that I just, it was not a good fit. And so I quit after five months. (laughs) The first real job was at the High Museum of Art as a marketing coordinator. By all accounts, that was probably my dream job in theory, right? Um, Working at an art museum, doing marketing, which is basically what I studied. So I was thrilled to be there. We had a major, major exhibition come when I worked there about the Habsburg dynasty. I mean, I was delighted. Uh, I, I like history already, and then to... To have a big exhibition that has, you know, some fair budget behind it was really exciting. And I ended up writing a lot of the, like, the headlines and the copy for the ads. And so that was really fun. Um, And some of my, like, headlines ended up on billboards and stuff. And that was kind of, like, the first time that I had seen, you know, my words, like, out in the wild. Like, there's a billboard in Atlanta with a sentence that I wrote on it, you know, which sounds not that crazy, but...
0: (laughs) According to Devin, seeing your work out in the wild is a pretty great feeling, as you can probably imagine.
1: It's such a high. Like, that's why I keep staying in advertising. My friend and I were driving in this part of Atlanta that I knew there was going to be a billboard coming up, and I made her stop it so I could take out and take a picture of it. And I was just like, you know, like 22 It's so just like thrilled with myself. So, I mean, it was it was pretty fun.
0: So Devin's in a great world, but she ends up leaving it. Um, no, So Devon's in a great role, which he loves. She's having an impact with her work, and yet she moves on after two years. Why leave?
1: I was not an art history major. It was kind of a tough place to thrive for a long-term career if you're not an art history person. I always kind of felt like, I don't know if I can really sustain, you know, a marketing and advertising career here when the, the thing that's really cherished in the museum world is art history. I just didn't feel like I was getting, you know, kind of the fulfillment out of knowing that my work was like appreciated or, you know, really, I was going to be able to shine there.
0: In sort, they wanted an art curator who does advertising while she was an advertiser who just happened to love being in a museum. So where does she take our talents next?
1: I decided to take a, a different industry altogether, and I started working for Hartsville-Jackson Atlanta International Airport. But I, So I started as a contractor, actually. Um, I was hired for this specific project, which was called ATL Next. It was about basically capital improvement program, all of the construction that's been happening at the airport. It was my job to market that construction, make it seem fun and sexy. It was a tall order, um, but mostly just to inform people about what was happening. And like it had a, it had its own website, it had you know components of social media and just kind of all of those different factors that would go into any marketing campaign, but all specifically for construction. Which I have no experience in construction, so it was. It was a wild time to try to understand what was happening um, and then, you know, put it in a way that makes people excited about it because it was pretty much ruining everyone's airport experience.
0: As someone who, when we could fly, flew regularly out of LaGuardia Airport in New York City, which is perpetually under construction, that's definitely a tall order, but somebody's got to do it.
1: I was a contractor for about a year and a half. I got hired on as an actual city of an Atlanta employee. It was kind of mostly just in title only. I had infiltrated the the general airport marketing world, and I wasn't just doing the construction stuff anymore, which was great, in my opinion, because I wanted to do kind of that, like the fun stuff about travel.
0: Now, in the same way that some of you may not have realized that there was an entire competitive fighting game scene that Xavier was involved in that you didn't know about until now, There is apparently an entire aviation social media scene that I wasn't aware of until I talked to Devin.
1: There is actually, I went to a conference just for airport social media managers. And that was so interesting because it's kind of a weird mix of like the aviation industry is very male dominated. But then you have like the social media managers for airports and it's more, you know, female because marketing and advertising. Yeah. And so it was kind of interesting, like, you could tell there are these people who are doing it because they're super into aviation. And there's people like me who just sort of, like, fell into the space because they do social media stuff. I, we look to each other to kind of understand, like, what's working in, in terms of content. But I... I was never going to be that person who's posting just planes because I don't know enough about planes to do that. So, you know, I think we were kind of having a lot of like fun and experimenting with different types of content that maybe wasn't the usual method for an airport.
0: One of those bits of content would actually get Devon and the Atlanta airport some notoriety. The story starts in February 2017 with her and her coworker Amani. Now, in the same way where there are people on the other side of the Wendy's Twitter persona, there are people on the other side of Twitter when you tweet at, say, Delta or American Express or whatever brand is causing you problems at a given moment to try to get some customer service. This, of course, applies to the Atlanta airport as well.
1: All of the uh, customer service parts of social were managed by their own team, because there were just so many. Because the customer service side was just the amount of people complaining, and there are real people reading those tweets.
0: So Devin's coworker is on one of these teams known as the Social Listening Team.
1: You know, it was like right on the cusp when Black Panther was about to kind of take off even more than it already had. And she was like, I saw this guy who called an actual airline rep and asked for a flight to Wakanda. And he made this like spoof video. I was like, like, let's do something with this, right? Like, so we kind of like think about it all day. And then I, I get home and I realized that we should Photoshop the gate sign. So I'm like frantically Photoshopping it at my house at seven o'clock at night. Like, we have to post this. Today, otherwise it's gonna be too late. <laughs> it's like not a very good Photoshop job. Which shout out to the people who commented that on Twitter. Thank you. I know it was seven o'clock, so I I, I hit post. You know, I tell Amani like, I'm posting. Here we go. Let's see what happens. Like just expecting it to be kind of like cute and and maybe maybe fun. But there's this thing. I don't know if all the social media managers do this. Probably every post is like your baby, right? So. I I hit post and I wait a few minutes and then I hit refresh because I just want to see like what the response is. And it's like doing pretty well already in that few minutes. Then I hit refresh again and it's like, oh, like people like this. And I hit refresh again and I'm like, this is going to be, this is going to be serious, right? Like (laughs) there's a certain rate of engagement that you expect in the first like 10 minutes of something. And it was already like crazy and I was like, What have I done? Like
0: What he had done would definitely blow up in a good way.
1: To celebrate the Black Panther film phenomenon, hartsfield jackson International Airport in Atlanta is now jokingly offering flights to Wakanda, the fictional African nation featured in the Marvel movie. The bags are packed. Hashtag, Wakanda forever, the official airport account recently tweeted, along with a photo for the Wakanda Gate. The nod to the Black Panther movie went over well, with thousands of users retweeting the post and liking it. The internet had questions.
2: Which airline? ATL forever. Do passengers receive a necklace like King T'Challa? Yep. But do they take sky miles? Sadly, no. Black Panther star Lupita Nyong'o got in on the fun, tweeting out some rather familiar-sounding suggestions for in-flight entertainment. M'Baku to the future, anyone?
1: As for available...
0: Side note, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman, the actor who played T'Challa in the Black Panther film. The cool part of all this is that this was not some grand deal with Disney to promote the film. Just Devin and her coworker brainstorming on their own. Luckily, they had a great boss who was all for it.
1: It was totally just us doing something to see what happened, which I had a wonderful boss who let us experiment with stuff like that and didn't, you know, didn't have a lot of fear about trying new things. And so that I got really lucky in that sense that she was just like, whatever you think we should post, go ahead and see what happens.
0: Of course, this viral moment created a whole new set of challenges for Devin.
1: Oh my gosh. It was like so stressful (laughs) because then everything you post is like, it feels so important and meaningful, right? So it was like just all happening and you're like, Oh my gosh, like wait, what have I done? And like I thought I could be clever for like one post, but now I have to be clever for like all these interactions, and I just it's too much. I also unwittingly had decided to take a vacation during that week. So I was in Miami Beach for part of the aftermath, like trying to see what was still going on. Other airports started trying to you know, do somewhat similar ideas. And that was like, you know, mimicry is the sincerest form of flattery, right? And then we sort of had this like whole new type of audience. You know, a lot of people following an airport are aviation geeks. They're just in it to to, you know, see pretty pictures of planes. We kind of got this like whole new swath of followers that was just interested in the fun stuff, the memes and like Atlanta, you know, making it feel like Atlanta and not just like any other airport. <clears throat> and that sort of became my like mission while I worked there was to make it seem like, you know, our social media, it's clear that you're in Atlanta, which is a very special city. And your like, airport experience should feel like part of that city and not just like any any random place that you happen to have a layover.
0: Devon got to do some cool things to make the social media marketing and even the marketing inside of the airport have that unique Atlanta feel.
1: We also started a program where like famous Atlanta-based local celebrities like Ludacris or um, Jermaine Dupree, we started having photo shoots with them. There's like this massive digital board above the escalators when you leave the Atlanta airport and you're going to baggage claim. It's like the board, right? And it tells you how to get to baggage claim, but then in the middle, it's basically free advertising for us. So we started featuring all of these celebrities on the board and that board was my board. And so I'm the one who got to coordinate the photo shoots with all these people. So So you
0: got to meet I all kept, these famous people.
1: Yeah. I mean I had to. I had to, yes. Um
0: who is the coolest person or like the best you know, celebrity you've met.
1: Jermaine Dupree is like, I mean, he, you know, he is welcome to Atlanta. This was probably the coolest part about it. He tweeted at the airport, why aren't they playing my song when you come up the escalators? And so I used that opportunity to respond and say like, well, I don't know if we can play your song, but we can put you on the board board. (laughs) And so he was on the board. Brian Latrell from the Backstreet Boys was a very cool dude. You know, I kept thinking the most Atlanta thing that could possibly happen to me has happened. You know, and then there'd be like another thing where it's like, oh, Atlanta, like you're, you're killing me.
0: (laughs) Atlanta definitely has a special place in Devin's heart, if you couldn't tell already.
1: I thought I'd live in Atlanta for three years tops. I always said that to myself when I moved there. It'll be three years.
0: Okay, you ended up staying there for like,
1: Six years. I think it was really well-timed for that time of my life, like being fresh out of college. And I just went to like so many music festivals and concerts, like things that Jacksonville doesn't have to be 22 and doing that was kind of ideal. Um, And Atlanta is a lot more diverse than Jacksonville um, and something that I already really miss. And i not sure where to find that here without a place like Stanton. Yeah, Atlanta is like a very, very special place, but the more I became like old and settled, the less I the less I needed it, you know?
0: So after her time at the airport, C ended up working for an ad agency in Atlanta. Think Mad Men, though less cigars and Don Draper. However, after discovering she actually liked the ability to own her brands instead of having the brands be one of her clients, C ended up moving back to the in-house marketing life, and back to Jacksonville.
1: Back in-house at a company called Life Happens. They're based in D.C., but I'm fully remote, which is living the dream, right? That was kind of my goal with the next, the next job, uh, to find that elusive uh, fully remote role. Which, of course, now with COVID, we're all <laughs> fully remote. But it seemed it seemed like a big win at the time. Um, <laughs> so. They are a nonprofit that educates people on why they need life insurance. Which, again, uh, the thing about being a social media manager is like an industry I never thought I would care about. Um, the financial industry is not known to be very, you know, exciting, but um, it's actually proving to be more fulfilling than many other things that I've done. I think that I like, as a person, belong in a nonprofit. I like that space and. The thing about doing social media as a job is like sometimes it feels like you're not helping anything at all. Like you're just contributing to the white noise and like social media is terrible and no one likes it, including me. You know, like I would get rid of my Facebook if I could. But when you when you do it for a brand that you care about and for a nonprofit, I think that's an easier sell is like whatever I'm writing and whatever I'm posting is helping somebody as opposed to just selling unnecessary products or or just contributing to more noise out there.
0: In the meantime, though, Devin's glad to be back in Florida with the beaches. As far as the future holds, who knows?
1: I never realized that we like had this amazing feature like (laughs) right there (laughs) that I, I mean, I went to the beach all the time, but I never thought about it as like something that I would, I would lose you know, once you're in Atlanta, everyone's like, oh yeah, but we have lakes. I'm like, have you been to the beach? A lake is not, it's not the same, not the same at all, but thank you for trying. Yeah. I don't know if I can keep doing social media for another 10 years, right? And will social media even be here in 10 years in the same way? <laughs> I don't even understand TikTok. I don't have a TikTok. I'm too old now, right? So that's that's an issue. I need to figure out another career path for the next 10 years. Um, but maybe I'll go back to school. I did always like school, so we'll see.
0: Our class motto is, of course, we run this. And while we definitely have it in us to accomplish whatever we set our minds to, admittedly, sometimes that's a lot of pressure on ourselves to keep up appearances that we've got it together and social media doesn't help as Devon and Sabi can attest to. Everything feels like it's life and death and that history has its eyes on us and that we can't ever live up to our past success. Sometimes we're boxed into something that feels one dimensional, Devon is so much more than just the girl who happened to be the one that had the viral moment at the Atlanta airport, despite her claims that her career has already peaked. And Savy, who despite me knowing him for nearly 20 years now, has sides to him that I didn't know all that much about until I interviewed him. And at the end of the day, we may not be able to fully control how our legacy lives on, what we can do is to do what we find meaning in be it making an impact through nonprofit work or finding a career that lets you help others while having time for creativity or making a podcast for your high school reunion. Because at the end of the day, to borrow the words of another Worker Fixen that I really enjoy. That's okay, we're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one, eh? Cause it was, you know, it was the best. We're all just stories in the end just make it a good one. What a good story means is up to you. But I know that come our 20, 30, 40, even 50-year high school reunion, we'll have stories of how we do run this, whatever that means to you. I may not live to see our glory. I may not live to see our glory. But I will gladly join the fight. But I will gladly join the fight. And when our children tell our
2: story, when our children tell our story, they'll
1: tell the story of
2: tonight. Let's have another round
1: tonight. Let's
2: have another round tonight. Let's have another round tonight. Raise a glass to free.
0: Special thanks to Xavier and Devin for sharing those stories with me. Links to their social media, websites, and SoundClouds in the show notes. I say this every week, but again, special thanks to Xavier, aka Frank Lowson, aka and Silk, for making the intro and outro music for this podcast. Other music comes from the Hamilton soundtrack and Blue Dot Sessions. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Also a quick note, the views and opinions expressed on the show reflect the personal thoughts of those involved alone and do not reflect those of any other groups or organizations. So on next week's show, one of the biggest things we're missing out on by not having our in-person reunion is meeting our high school classmates' partners, if they've been so lucky to find someone to start a family with. Fortunately for you guys, I found a couple of couples who came from within our class, one couple were high school sweethearts, and another, may not have been together at stand and ended up together afterwards anyway. We'll meet them next week. Until then, I'm Paulo Bautista, and remember, we run this.
2: And they're like, which Gohan is the best Gohan in Dragon Ball? And I was like, bro, adult Gohan, you know why? He was in school, he was living his life. And most importantly, he would dress up and fight crime under the great Sandman. And he had that Namekian silk do-rag.